Good morning. So good to see everyone. I kind of want to know the answer to that riddle. I, I actually don't know it, but Matt told me to hold fire, so probably a surprise coming at the end. But uh, I hope everyone's had an awesome week. Um, I've had a really good week. I, we're not supposed to take uh, fortune and others' mispleasures, but I have to admit the highlight of my week was Matthew Preston managing to lock himself in the church toilets for about half an hour. <laughs> I still don't know how we did it, and I just hope for your sake, Matt, it was a number one and not a number two, because that would have been much more traumatic. Um, sorry, Matt, I, I couldn't resist. Um, but hey, uh, if you're just joining us this morning, we've been in a series called The Kingdom of God for a few weeks now. We did it for four weeks, had a little break, and we're getting back into it. And basically, the series is all about this biblical idea that when we put our faith in Jesus, when we turn and follow him, we become part of his kingdom, and as citizens of his kingdom, we take on like a new worldview, a, a new set of values, a new way of doing and being, and this, um, this series focuses on a famous teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, it's his only sermon recorded uh, in the Bible, and, and he kind of outlines what this new way of life is, what this new way of living is, and more specifically, um, we, we're looking at the first eight sentences of that sermon called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are blessings. They're eight different conditions or eight different values that Jesus calls us into. And if we engage in them, the product is a blessed life. So we've been working our way through those. We've covered four so far. The first one was all about being dependent on God, recognizing that we need him and relying on him. The second one was recognizing like our condition without Jesus, like who we are without him and that causing us to mourn and turn to him and find life. The third one was about taking a humble and meek attitude. The fourth one was cultivating hunger for the right things. And today we are going to get into the fifth one. But before I start off this morning, I'm just going to pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that it is alive, it is relevant, uh, and Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through me this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So, Beatitude numero five. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So, if God blesses those who are merciful, it's important to first understand what mercy means. What does this word mercy means? And a dictionary definition defines it as mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So to be merciful is to choose to extend grace. To be merciful is to choose to forgive. To be merciful is to choose to cover over, to choose to love, even when it's uh, undeserving. And I believe the reason why mercy is so important to God is because it's a core part of his character. God is mercy. God is merciful, and he wants us to reflect his nature to those around us. Like when we look at the character of God, it's impossible to go past his mercy. We see it right back when he made humanity, that even when humanity turned from him, he would go and pursue them. And then right throughout the entire Old Testament, the people of Israel who had chosen to become like a nation, they would continually turn away from him and, and engage in wicked works. And he would just be waiting there for them to turn back to extend mercy. And we see it fully realized in Jesus, that God is a God of mercy. And it says in this beatitude that God extends his mercy to those who are merciful. 
but it's important to get the order right. Like we can't actually extend mercy until we first receive mercy. It's in receiving mercy from God and receiving grace from God that we're able to pass that on. And, and that's what he wants us to do. Like we see this principle right through scripture that the Christian life is not all about just receiving. It's not all about being blessed. It's about receiving or being blessed so that we can bless others, so that we can pass on what God has done through us. We see this principle time and time again. It says, give and it will be given to you. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Be merciful, show mercy, and you shall obtain mercy. So it's so important that we extend what we receive. This is what Jesus says a little bit later on in his sermon in Matthew 7. He says this, he says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. It's pretty confronting, eh? The measure by which we judge others is the measure by which we will be judged. Like when we're quick to point out character flaws, when we're quick to, to, to judgment, we, we need to be concerned because God says that with the measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. And to be honest, I've been really convicted lately about this as a pastor. Uh, you know, you can be, I'm reading the scripture along, it can be really easy to, to, to see errors in other people's lives or see shortcomings in other people's lives and become really self-righteous and judgmental. And God's been saying to me, hey, what about these things going on in your life? You know, what about these things in your life? How do I treat you when you're working through stuff? You know, I come alongside you. My heart breaks for you. I love you. I'm patient. And God's been challenging me to shift my heart to be more like him. And I think he wants that for all of us. Because one thing I've learned is there's often so much more to the story. It can be so easy to see like an external behavior. It can be so easy to see something that's wrong in a person's life. But there's so many layers behind it. And if we don't come alongside people and hear them and listen to them and love them through it, we just become self-righteous and hypocritical. And so uh, Jesus goes on to say this. He says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Timeless, eh? <laughs> How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know, it's so timeless. Like sometimes we can be like so concerned about problems in other people's lives that we are blind to our own sin. We can be judging everyone else and we've, we've got a massive log in our own eye. And it, like an author that I've really enjoyed reading, uh, she says this, she says, often when we're judging other people, uh, it's, if we're judging something in someone else's life, it's actually usually revealing something that we're insecure about. It's revealing an insecurity in our own heart or it's revealing something that we're struggling with. So we try to judge another person to justify our own behavior and make us feel better. You know, and it's like, a, it's a really selfish way of living, you know, and I can definitely find that in my life when I catch myself being judgmental, it's actually usually revealing an insecurity in my own heart. It's revealing something within me. So what we really need to do is we need to come before God humbly, let him heal and transform us so that we can then walk alongside other people. We need to be careful not to judge. On the flip side, though, we are told to speak the truth in love. We are told to speak the truth in love. There is a difference between judging someone 
and loving someone enough to tell them the truth about a situation, caring enough to lean into the discomfort of coming alongside someone and saying, I'm going to tell you the truth because I care about you. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 4.15. In the context, is just before this, he's saying, don't get tossed away by all these false doctrines going along. Don't get tossed away with all these lies. Much like culture today, today, he says this. He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. You know, often the most loving thing to do to someone is to care enough to go and tell them the truth about what's going on. And it's actually the way, particularly in a Christian community, it's the way that God's ordained it so that we would grow up into maturity like Christ. I often hear this phrase in Christian communities, I don't judge, I just love. And it's true, it's not our job to judge, but often what that person's really saying is, uh, I'm uh, too insecure to go and confront someone and tell them the truth because I actually care more about how much they like me than actually loving that person. I actually care more about being accepted, I care more about myself than that other person. And it's actually a really selfish perspective because if we really love people, if we really care for people, we would lean and we'd put their needs above our own and obviously there's a wisdom around those conversations we don't just want to go charging in being like this is the truth (laughs) every time but like we've got to recognize that it's actually loving to lean into those conversations and as a community we need to have a humility to be able to like accept those conversations and lean into them because it's for our own maturity as a community so as a church let's do these things let's be careful not to judge but equally let's speak the truth and love to one another you know, let's be known as a community of mercy, of mercy. Let's be marked by mercy. So today I want to talk about four things about mercy. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, is we can come to God to find mercy. We can come to God to find mercy. Hebrews 4.16 says this, it says, Let us come boldly, say boldly, boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly without hesitancy, directly. We have direct access to God and we can come boldly. In fact, when Jesus died, it said the the curtain that separated the people from the presence of God was torn in two from top to bottom and we have direct, bold access because of what Jesus has done. Then it says, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. You know, when we come to God boldly through what Jesus did, we don't find condemnation, we don't find judgment, we find mercy, we find grace, we find a loving Father, we find patience, we find someone who is there to love us. So we need to, we need to go there without hesitancy, boldly. And we can come time and time and time again. Lamentations 3.22 says this, it says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. He has new mercy for me and you every single morning of the day. It doesn't run out, it doesn't get depleted, we don't use it up. This mercy is everlasting and we can keep going back to him time and time and time again to find grace and mercy in time of need. And the thing is, the more that we go to him, the more that we go to him and find grace, the more that it actually transforms us and the more we can extend that to others. We need to keep going to him. You know, Proverbs 28, 13 says this, it says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, 
So when we conceal our transgressions, when we hide, when we fall back into shame, we don't prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. It's in this going to God boldly to receive grace that we find mercy, that we find healing, and that we find health. So we need to go boldly to the throne of our gracious God. The second point is this. God wants us to show mercy to others. God wants us to show mercy to others. You know, one of the main purposes of our lives is to reflect the character of God to the world around us. In fact, there's actually four main purposes for why, why God actually designed and created us, but we'll, we'll talk about that in another series. But one of the main purposes is to reflect His nature. When God created humanity, it said that He created them in His image. And He's not talking about the external image, He's talking about the internal image. He, he created us to reflect His character to the world around us. But through our choices, sin corrupted that and we weren't able to do that. But through Jesus, we actually now have been restored to a place where we can reflect, where we can reflect the character of God around us with the Holy Spirit in us. And so just as Jesus loved just as Jesus extended grace, just as Jesus was patient, we are to follow in the same manner, reflecting God's character around us. And the thing is, God is so much more concerned about our heart and about our character and about us reflecting Him than He is about our religious acts. He is so much more concerned about the nature of our heart than about these, like this religious baloney. Uh, he, he says this to the people of Israel in, in the book of Amos. He says, and this was a time where they were turning away. Their hearts were, were far from God, they, but they were still doing all these religious things like offering sacrifices and going to the temple. But this is what God really thought of it. This, this is what he says. He says, I hate all your show and pretense the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. You know, God isn't concerned about us showing up at church and ticking the box. He wants to see righteous living. He wants to see justice. He wants to see mercy. He wants to see grace. Through another prophet, Hosea, to the same group of people, he said this, he said, For I desire mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He's saying, I don't want your empty religious practices. I want a transformed heart that reflects my nature, and it's the same for us today in our context. Like We need to be careful that we don't become religious going through the motions doing Christian things. We actually need to be like, how is the condition of my heart? And allow Christ in us to live through us and reflect his character to the world around us. The third thing is this. At its core, mercy is forgiveness. At its core, mercy is forgiveness. Biblically, there are other facets to mercy, but at its core, mercy is forgiveness. And the thing is, we live in a world where we're going to be hurt. Jesus said it this way. He said, it's impossible that offenses won't come. We live in a world where we're going to experience hurt, where we're going to hurt others, and we have a choice whether we're going to hold on, whether we're going to have a grudge, whether we're going to conceal, whether we're going to keep that in our hearts, or we have a choice whether we're going to release and forgive. And just as we have been forgiven, the expectation is that we pass that on. And Jesus addresses this topic in, in, in Luke 17. 
someone comes to him, one of his disciples comes to him and says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother who has sinned against me? Should I forgive him seven times? And uh, I was sort of thinking, probably likely that the brother had just done the seventh one, and he's like, I just don't want to forgive him anymore. And uh, Jesus replied with this. He said, no, not 70 times, 70 times seven. And he was not saying forgive him 490 times. He was saying as many times as needed, as many times as he's coming to you, you extend forgiveness. And then to illustrate his point, he went into a parable, a story, and he said there was a, a master where heaps of people owed him accounts. And he called for his accounts one day, and one servant came before him who owed him millions and millions of dollars. And he said, it's your time to pay. And the, the, the guy said, Master, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I cannot pay. Would you please just give me more time? And the master, the master didn't only like let him have more time. He said, I completely forgive you of your debt. And that servant went away, and he went out, and he saw someone that owed him some money, only a few thousand dollars. And he went before the servant and he grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and he said, pay me my money. And the, the other servant said, have mercy on me. Uh, I, I, give me more time. And the guy said, no, you need to pay me my money. And he threw him in prison. Uh, he threw him in prison until he was able to pay. And, and some other servants saw that and they, they were outraged by it and they went and told the master, this is what that servant's done. And so the master called that servant back before him and he said, I showed this amazing mercy to you and you've done this to your fellow servant. You will now go into prison until you've paid every cent. And the thing is, he could never pay that debt. And it says at the end of that parable, so will my father do to you if you do not forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. You know, we are called to forgive. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't justify what the other person has done. It, it might not necessarily mean reconciliation, as that takes two parties, but we are called from our hearts to forgive as we have been forgiven. To show mercy is to forgive. In fact, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, in the King James it says angry without cause. If you are even angry with someone, if you're despising someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. What he's saying is don't come before me with your gifts to worship me when you've got a grudge or, or something with your brother. Go and make things right with them. Leave your sacrifice here at the altar, make things right and then come back before me. You know, and I think possibly that's what some of us need to do. You know, it says in, in the book of Romans, as far as, as much as is up to you, make it your effort to live peaceably with all men. You know, and sometimes we can say, oh, that's their problem. But it actually says you go and make things right. You go and seek reconciliation. And that takes two, but as much as is up to you, go and make things right with your brother. You know, a funny story about this, our, our worship pastor over in the Mount, a guy called Tony, um, he used to worship lead at Life Church up in Auckland, and he said that um, he was worship leading one day on the stage, and all the pastors were in the front row, 
and um, he, he, he had developed a hardness in his heart towards one of the pastors and um, he was up on the stage just feeling so convicted <laughs> about what was going on in his heart that he stopped mid-worship set, put his guitar down and went and said sorry and then jumped back up on stage. <laughs> and so uh, if anyone in this room is feeling antsy towards someone else, I've got give you permission to wait until after <laughs> the gathering. But, uh, but really, like maybe some of us need to get on the phone. Maybe some of us need to, need to go and seek reconciliation. You know, uh, actually, as I was praying about this, I felt that potentially some people in this room might need to go back to a church that they didn't leave well and make things right with their old pastor. You know, I think we need to seek reconciliation. If I could have the worship team back up. We covered three things. We need to go to God to find mercy boldly. We need to extend that to others. We need to realize that forgiveness is the essence of mercy. And the final thing is this, is that God wants to show mercy on everyone. God wants to show his mercy on everyone. 1 John 2 says this, and John's writing to followers of Jesus. He says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but for the sins of all the world. Jesus Christ has died for every single person on the planet, and his precious blood has made a way for every single person on the world to be saved. That's all of your friends, all of your neighbors, all of your family, every single person in the world, has, 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 God has extended his hand to them through Jesus Christ. You know, and that's why he hasn't come back yet. That's why he hasn't come back and, and made everything right yet. That's why the suffering hasn't earned, uh, finished yet. It's because he's waiting for people to turn to him. 2 Peter 3 says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is a lovesick father waiting patiently for his kids to come home, enduring patiently, patiently waiting with his arms wide open, saying, son, come home. Daughter, come home. I've given everything in my power freely to you if you would just turn to me and find life. And I want to let you know if you're here today, uh, and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, that God loves you, that he's revealed it in Jesus, that Jesus Christ hung on a cross and died for you and said, it is finished. Everything has been removed. And he's saying, come home. Come home to me. I've chosen you. Will you choose me? If we could just stand to our feet. You know, maybe, uh, maybe that is you this morning. Maybe you've come here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe this is really new to you. Maybe you made that decision a long time ago, but you've walked away from that in your heart. Just, I believe today's an opportunity to, to make a commitment to follow Christ. You know, it says in the book of Romans that all have sinned. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one that everyone falls short of God's glorious standard, that we all have a problem of sin and brokenness, that everyone here that has made that decision has acknowledged that, that we need God. 
We don't have this right. There is a problem with my heart and the only one who can save me is Jesus. And what you're acknowledging and making that decision is I need God and you're just receiving the grace that has been given to you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to try harder. You just receive what Jesus has done for you. He comes into your heart. He gives you his spirit. He doesn't just give you eternity, but that starts now. Like he makes us new on the inside and we, live the, we can live the lives that he planned and dreamed for us. And the final thing is you choose to turn away from your old life and follow him with your whole heart. And if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise a hand as a, as a show of ownership that I am making that decision today. So if we could all bow our heads just in respect for those around us. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to make that choice, that wants to say, I want to follow Jesus. I need him. He died for me. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I receive your mercy today. I receive what you did for me, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I turn to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen.